This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. One of the people is this femme person but they're in like a three-piece suit and they had like the button open with like this necklace on and like this like faux hawk haircut and I straight up flipped my shit like I was just like so immediately turned on. Welcome back to Open Late. I'm your host Jessica Spandiari and I'm super stoked about today because um I found out as I'd been following Elizabeth Cunningham for a while on Instagram that she was also following me. And I swear she reached out like the week that I literally had your name on my list. I'm like, I'm gonna reach out to her this week and see if we can do a show swap. Um, So just so excited to have you here. Um, Elizabeth is a speaker, coach, and consultant for relationships. And over the last five years has shifted to, you know, mostly working with people who are interested in polyamory and non-monogamy as she has been practicing those herself now for a little while. And yeah, just welcome to the show. Super excited. Yeah. Thank you for having, I think that's so funny that we both like had each other on our lists and like reached out around the same time. Yeah. Where are you based out of again? Seattle. Seattle. Okay, cool. Yeah. So both West Coast. Yeah. This is fun. We're going to be getting to know each other uh, as you're all listening, I think. And I know that's kind of what I feel like. I'm like, this is like the our intro conversation and then everybody can just listen. In. Yeah. You're getting like a front row seat to our budding new friendship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little fan yes. here. We were actually just laughing and I'm like, I have to hit record because so Elizabeth, you were saying like, how you were having this conversation with your friend, how <laughs> you were like, I'm I'm laughing because I was like, oh my God, I must be so intense because I think about this. I always joke that I'm the psychedelic sheep of my family. I'm from the East Coast. My whole family still lives in the East Coast. I'm the only person really who lives, you know, in Los Angeles or even anywhere, <laughs> anywhere West of Pennsylvania, really. And, um, yeah. you know, I am such a hippie. I'm all about like spirituality and consciousness and plant medicine and, you know, identify as queer and my husband and I have an open relationship. And you were like, yeah, I was having this conversation with my friend. You know, we're really intense for people. We like run around in our underwear and like we date multiple people at the same time. And I was like, wow, I I often forget because I live in LA and it's such a bubble of, you know, or at least where, where I hang out in my community is so accepting. And this is relatively the norm. I mean, we're the only ones in our friend group who are open. Um, but everyone's like really loving and accepting. And is that how it is for you in Seattle? Yeah. I mean, like Seattle is absolutely its own bubble and people will joke about that here. It's like, well, we have to remember that we live in like this Seattle bubble. It's like you can go up to Capitol Hill and walk around and there's like drag queens in like broad daylight. And there's just like, you know, people like if, if you see someone in like 
a bikini and fishnets and a leather jacket, like that's pretty standard. So yeah, so I was, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine because, and actually like most of my friend groups are people who are open, people who are polyamorous, people who are non-monogamous in some way. Mm. And so, yeah, I was telling her the other day, I was like, you know, we are really intense for people um, because most people do not like, you know, she teaches naked yoga and she is a painter and a musician and she posts pictures online of like her in a bikini like doing yoga and painting yeah. you know <laughs> like and it's like and I talk to people about like multiple relationships and kink and sexuality and being queer and all of this stuff and I'm like yeah like people this is not normal like this is not most people's normal <laughs> um and and it is for us and we have to remember that it's not right. for most people yeah yeah um <laughs> so I love is this I love this perspective I kind of want to jump back and give people and also myself a little bit of an intro of like who you are and really what sparked the the non-monogamy for you or what even sparked um actually let's go back to when did you know that you weren't just maybe not into men at all or uh and I also this is like such a layered question sorry this is this question's awful <laughs> I'm so interested <laughs> when I meet other women who identify as queer instead of bisexual um and so like what and why and how and yeah I'm you know what I'm gonna stop talking <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, okay so I so the first part of your question was around non-monogamy and then the second part of your question was around being queer. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, when, when, how? Um, so for me with non-monogamy, um, and I identify as polyamorous in the, so just to be clear, and I, I get this question a lot, and I work a lot with people who are new in the non-monogamy realm. So non-monogamy is an umbrella term. And underneath this umbrella of non-monogamy, non-monogamy just means not monogamous right like that's a huge range mm -hmm. um and so polyamory is just a section of non-monogamy and so what polyamory means is many loves and so polyamory for me is like having multiple relationships like intimate connected relationships right um and so uh, when i was younger i had like when I was really young, I had crushes on multiple people at a time, but I was just pretty sure that that was normal. Like I was like, yeah, you just like a lot of people. Like that's just what you yeah. do. And I'm still like half believe that. I'm like, doesn't everyone feel this way? No? Okay. Um, and they yeah, do. They're just not open about it. <laughs> um, and then when I was in high school, I had a high school sweetheart. And, um, but I was like in love with other people, like very, like whether it ranged from like a crush to infatuation to like, no, like I deeply love this other human being. And I just thought that there was something wrong with me. Like I thought that there was, you know, I, that I was a bad person. Um, kind of the phrase, like once a cheater, always a cheater. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh my God. And I never cheated on anyone. 
you know, I didn't cheat on my, you know, high school sweetheart at all, but I was like, is this what cheaters feel like? Right. You know, like they just you even you felt know, love other you people. even felt wrong for like having the thoughts about other people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like I was I wasn't I wasn't doing anything about mm-hmm. it. Um but then like he and I would break up, you know, like in high you know, high school drama, you know, you like break up for like two months or whatever. Um <laughs> and uh and I would like date other people and they'd be like oh like you're really selfish like you're always just like trying to date and I'm like I don't feel like I'm selfish because I just like people you know and then they like me back and then we do something about that like I feel like again that seems pretty normal Mm -hmm. to me um and then fast forward to college um I was dating someone else and uh they um like college also I started drinking and so alcohol plus infatuation for me did equal cheating (laughs) yeah um (laughs) I think that's the way for a lot of people that's actually the exact formula (laughs) (laughs) and and I didn't like sleep with anybody else but I definitely like would get drunk and like make out with Mm -hmm. people which we had an agreement to not do that. And so that was a problem mm-hmm. in our relationship. And again, I just felt like this terrible person. Like I absolutely hated myself. Like I remember sitting on the bed with him being like tears streaming down my face, being like, I hate myself. I don't know why I'm like this. And then finally, like when he broke up with me, he was like, yeah, I'm done with this now, which fair, fair play yeah. on him. You know, I'm not mad at him about that. Um, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, fuck this shit. Like, I'm not going to um, hold myself back. I'm not going to pretend that I don't have these feelings. And I'm also not going to live my life inside of this story of I hate myself. Like, I'm just Mm -hmm. not going to do that. And so then I was just like, I'm just going to date whoever I want, whenever I want, all the time. And I'm going to tell everyone about it. Yes. And that's what I'm doing. (laughs) So is it like full, like, um, which I don't even know. I mean, I think all these terms, it's it's so interesting. There are many definitions and people can relate to them differently. But, um, you know, was it full relationship anarchy on your part, which is like, you know, I think the the blanket understanding of that is never really having um, relationships with a hierarchy, not having like a primary partner for, for a period of time. And everything is sort of um, just connection as it comes and it's all great. And you're not sort of ranking any of your relationships at that point. Right. Yeah. I think that like looking back, because at the time I didn't have, there weren't any of these right. terms at the time. It really was just like, this is how I feel. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with it. Um, But I think, yeah, like looking back, it was probably somewhere in the realm of like solo polyamory, Mm. relationship anarchy realm. Um, I was dating. uh, And at the time, I was still also denying that I was queer. Mm. I was like, I think I was labeling myself as um, straight-ish. Like, that's what I would tell people. I'd be like, straight-ish. Because I was hooking up with women. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, but I was, like, denying that I liked women. Right. Which was kind of weird. Well, um, I, I But I think yeah. that's kind of normal for, like, like, bisexual women, you know, queer women to have this, like, phase of, like, no, this is, you know, 
I, everyone feels this way or it's normal to da da da, but that doesn't make me queer. Right. It's sort right. of like society's yeah. accepted version for women is like, oh, this is just an experimental phase and this is just a college thing. I'm just going to like hook up with girls, but, um, you know, no romantic feelings for anyone other than men. At least that's sort of what I felt like was proje- the, the like, okay, this was like, okay, that's what was projected onto me as well. Um, right. yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how old you are, um, but you know, I was uh, in college. I'm okay, I was gonna say I was in college like 16, 17 years ago. So that's also <laughs> how I was like dipping my toe into it and being like, "This is okay. I'm just gonna like make out with my girlfriends when I'm drunk at bars," and but like would never right. take it any further because that was just like a line that was too taboo or whatever it was. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, so I was I was practicing non-monogamy um starting 2010, which was my senior year of college. Um and then just kind of continued on from there. And then I came out as queer when I was 29. Um what year was that? 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, 2019, I came out as queer. And I think that a lot of people also have this experience as well is that, um, like when you finally come out as queer, all of a sudden, like all the stuff in your past gets illuminated. You're like, Oh, that makes so much more sense. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I like totally had a crush on like all my girlfriends. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, like, that was a total thing. And like, all oh, this, oh, my God, it was just like, like, I feel like I discover how queer I am all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like this, new, I'm like, oh, yeah, that too. Oh, yeah, that too. Oh, yeah. Could you actually share some examples for people listening? Yeah, I think yeah. this could be really valuable um, who haven't yet started to have like that perspective or who are just you know, for the first time ever, like researching these topics and who haven't had those ahas or those awarenesses yet? Like what were like some of the bigger ones where you were like, that makes so much sense? I mean, I think some of the funnier ones are like when I was like a little kid, um, I uh, like was in love with like Disney princesses and not like in a oh, I want to be a Disney princess because, like, I that's never really been me. Um, but in, like, a, wow, you're, like, super hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, Jasmine in Aladdin? What? Holy crap. Like, seriously getting turned on as, like, a six-year-old, seven-year-old being, like, I want to kiss this girl. Yeah, <laughs> kiss the like, girl. I, like, <laughs> She's, yeah, and then Ariel, dude, Ariel is so sexy. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, she's like, running around in her yeah. little shell bra the whole time. Like, how are you not turned on? How are you not turned on? And so it's like, it's stuff like that where I look back and I'm like, oh my God. And I had the biggest crush on um, Ginger Spice, Scary Spice, and Posh Spice. Those were my three. And like, and it wasn't like a, these are my favorite Spice Girls. It's like, I am so turned on by these women. Yes. Right? Yes. And <laughs> so like, so just kind of at the time, not distinguishing that, mm-hmm. but like looking back, 
distinguishing that being like, oh no, like I was turned on. Like that was a full on crush. Oh yeah. Um, and then also like, I remember the first time that I was like turned on by a friend. Um, it was in middle school and it's, this is like the, the most classic story ever. Okay. Um, it was in middle school. It was in the locker room. Um, after gym class and you're like changing out of your gym clothes and I like literally turned around and my friend is like just getting undressed like next to me and I all of a sudden got like super flushed and I like turned back around and I was like trying to catch my breath and I was like and it was the first time that I'd ever experienced those feelings for like a real life person in front of me and not just like someone on tv or something like that yeah um and I was like oh my God. I was like, get it together, Elizabeth. I was like, what is, but also like thinking, you know, what is happening to me? Like, why am I feeling this way? Like not recognizing it Mm -hmm. as like being turned on by another female. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Cause there's like hardly any education or any kind of normal conversation around like what turn on even is. I feel like when we're like, it's not a part of sex ed. It's not a part of life ed at all. Unless right. you go to like a really right. dope alternative school, which definitely did not exist when we were that age. Um, right. And I also lived in Kansas at the time oh, too. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely not. You're definitely so, not learning yeah. about it unless your parents. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, th- so those are some like life examples and then kind of like following that same trend, like throughout high school and college where it was just looking back being like, Oh, I had a crush on that girl. Mm-hmm. Right. Or that person. Yeah. You know, cause I also like um, date people who are outside of the binary, mm-hmm. right. Like non-binary people, transgender people. So it's like, so also, also that as well. I remember, Oh, this is really great actually. Okay. This will be the last story and then we can move on, but this is really good. And my, um, my partner who lives in Colorado, like loves this story. Like she's always like, God bless that queer. Um, (laughs) so I was working at a brewery. I think I was 23, 23 or 24. I was working at a brewery and I walk up to this table. I was a server. I walk up to this table and it's a queer couple. And one of the people is this, uh, them person but they're in like a three-piece suit and they had like the button open with like this necklace on and like this like faux hawk haircut and I straight up flipped my shit like I was just like so immediately turned on that I was just like hold on I'll be right back like I literally like set their waters (laughs) down and was like oh I forgot something and literally left the table without getting any of their orders and walked back to the kitchen to cool myself off (laughs) were you like getting ice out of the ice machine and like putting it in and I was like all right okay apparently I'm attracted to masculine presenting women Mm -hmm. apparently that's a thing about me but again at the time I totally brushed it off I was like well you know they're masculine presenting so that's that must be why I'm you know so turned on right now 
um, yeah. is because is that is because like I'm a, I'm attracted to men, so therefore that's why I'm attracted to this person who's wearing this like more masculine outfit. Right. When in actuality, I'm just really queer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, you just like unlocked a memory for me. <laughs> Whoa! Awesome. Tell me about it. Okay, so when I was in college, I worked at this bar for forever like it was the little neighborhood I'm from South Philly and I went to Temple University and so I worked at this bar um called Grumpy's and it's like a good good family friend place and everybody who came in was like from the neighborhood and you just like you just know everybody um and we used (laughs) Grumpy's used to sponsor um some I'm gonna like I, I don't have permission for these stories, so let me think about how to navigate this. We used to sponsor some female sports teams um, and a couple different kinds, so I'm not going to, like, really call anybody out, although they would love it. <laughs> They're probably like, yes, please talk about us. Um, and I would bartend, and so the majority of, you know, and I, this is a blanket, obviously, painting with broad brushstrokes, but many of the women on these teams probably identify as queer you know, or just like in in general, just, you know, gay women of all kinds, some straight, some who knows, but there was this one who, one woman actually don't know how they would identify now. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't seen them in 12 years, my God. And, but we became really good friends, um, definitely male presenting and we would make out like all the time. When I was worried, because I would drink while I was working, you know, I'm like 21. Um, And it's just now I had forgotten about that completely, like put that in the box, because that was around the time that I was like, actually had a lot of women in my life who were either attracted to me and like, we would sort of make, make out, but I would, I would end things before it would go anywhere. Um, That was like happening a lot around my college years, probably because I was also working in nightlife and, you know, things induced by alcohol, as we said earlier. But so interesting because I was very attracted to to this person and Mm -hmm. very male presenting Um, and Mm -hmm. so hot. (laughs) Like, (laughs) just like wanted to be dominated by them at that age. Uh, yeah, maybe still. Okay. Interesting. Let's take it back to you, but just, I completely forgot about this. Now I'm going to have to reach out to them. Um, cool. Yeah. I love that. I want to hear, I want to hear how it goes. Maybe they, I mean, it sounds like they had a crush on you too, if they were making out with you. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting when I was saying that, so they were, they were partnered up. Um, this person had a girlfriend who was also friendly and who would be around sometimes And this is funny because this maybe was like my very first introduction to like some version of open. Um, But, you know, as we kind of like touched on earlier, it was like the, you know, I think society, this is the norm for women. It's like, oh, you can experiment. You're just drinking at a bar. You're going to make out. You're dancing on the bar, whatever. It's almost like more for display, right? And we can get into like whole that how that's like for the male gaze or whatever that we learn is like the acceptable norm and so I think I never really questioned it and I think that maybe for them it wasn't a thing either maybe they had a crush on me or maybe it was also playing into this whole narrative of like 
being in the bar and everybody's, you know, partying and this and that. But um, at least for me, it wasn't until much later that I even entertained that this would be like a way of life um, that I live in now. But just, yeah, I'm going to have to reopen that. I'm going to reopen those channels. (laughs) Ooh, ooh, oh, I'm excited. Good. I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But back to your story. Um, Yeah. Okay. So we sort of chatted about how things became illuminated in the past and you've been now practicing, um, you know, some version of non-monogamy and identifying as poly now for how long? Um, since 2010, so 12 years. Wow. Okay. And you were already, you had just gotten into coaching around this time too then because you've been, um, um, I, so I didn't get into, um, coaching. So I, I have a degree in political science and women, gender, and sexuality studies with an emphasis in religion. Mm, It's very long. Whoa. Um, This is like so niche. Yeah. Yeah. And my my goal was to uh, um, impact relationships because I've always known that I want I want to like impact people's lives and definitely inside of like relationships and sexuality. And I saw that you know politics and religion are two really huge influences on our ability to or not to um, be able to interact with one another in the way that we want to. And so then I worked at a domestic violence center for about three years. Um, and so that was kind of my introduction into helping people inside of relationships. And that's also where I started speaking. So I would do, um, I would talk to people about like domestic violence. I did, uh, I talked at the university of Kansas a couple of times. Um, I talked inside of the community and things like that, but in 2000, 15 yeah in 2015 I wanted to switch from talking about like um how to get out of unhealthy and abusive relationships and how to get into healthy relationships and then that's when I discovered like personal professional development coaching transformational coaching you know things like that Mm. um and um and then in 2017 was when I started doing one-on-one coaching specifically for polyamory because the people that I was coaching at the time, um, uh, like kind of knew that I was polyamorous. Um, and they were like, Hey, we, you know, we need help. We need help with this. Like I had a couple of clients who, um, or a couple of people that I was coaching with who wanted to open up their relationship and so they asked me for that help. And that that's kind of how the coaching inside of polyamory started. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I have a similar kind of trajectory in that I was coaching for a minute, but people would always either seek me out for relationship coaching or they'd come to me and tell me they want business coaching. And then it would be all relationships and you know, a lot of people who just wanted to open up or at least experiment and so interesting um, how most of coaching will come back to relationships anyway, because if those are healthy, it bleeds into all of the different areas of your life. Yeah. Well, that's what I help people in business and leadership and relationships, but like so much of what like, like communication and 
um, like intention and commitments and agreements and all sorts of things in, you know, those realms just spill over into personal relationships, romantic relationships. And the thing is about, you know, polyamory is that, you know, you're trying to build multiple relationships at the same time. And so you need a foundation for those relationships. Like you need your own solid foundation that's also malleable enough to build multiple relationships. And it's the same thing in business. You need a solid foundation to build multiple relationships that are malleable enough to like move and change over time mm. and to have the communication skills in order to do that. Mm. And so it's amazing like how much overlap there is. It's, right? it's so interesting that you bring this up because I feel like, okay, and this might be a little heady, but relation. Okay. So like monogamy, right. And sort of like the, the societal standard for a healthy, successful marriage. It's a man and a woman forever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's so political. And it's so religious. It's like those two institutions are really what I think, you know, proposed marriage even, and then try to keep its um, whatever, try to, try to keep its yeah, place in society yeah. as like the goal. But – if you think about most relationships and if you think about anything like a business, right? I mean, because I founded a nonprofit a couple of years ago and the best advice I ever got was remember this is a business, right? Not like, oh, we need to like make money and have a product, but think about this like a business owner and how you're going to structure it and you'll have a very healthy nonprofit. And I often think about now my relationship in the best terms and the best ways you can think about business, Right. And the healthiest businesses have really healthy relationships. Everything is really well-resourced. And, you know, if you have a good business, like a B Corp, right? Uh, you know, you want to – wait, is it B Corp or C Corp? I always forget. This something for, like, public benefit. Um, I forget. I don't know. That's a great question. Babe. I was like, I could Google it right now. Yeah. Um, this is going to make me uh, – yeah. So anyway, if you think about businesses like, right, you want it for, you know, to provide like a really great service um, for public benefit or social benefit, that would be best. And you're still, you know, getting something back you're receiving. I didn't realize this, but I think about my relationship in that way too. Like how can I create the healthiest relationship? And if you think about it, it's like – you need to be really well-resourced, have different outlets for different things. And I feel like that's what polyamory really is. It's like, okay, I have this structure and how can I get these needs met? Like what's the best supply chain for this thing? Is it, is it this group of girlfriends or is it like that, you know, once a month I go to a play party that's like really fulfilling and allows me to be like really expressive? Is it, you know, the fact that I get – um, this more adventurous need met here that, you know, maybe this partner doesn't have time for or the interest in. And so it's like, you know, seeing all of these different outlets and these different roles or managers or, you know, executives, whatever they are, you have, <laughs> you have a primary partner, <laughs> like make the healthiest version of your relationship. That yeah. was like a really crazy tangent, but I feel like that's almost what you like opened up in that. No, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's, and that's the thing is that, and like, and okay, what I don't want to have happen out of this conversation 
is someone to be like, oh, Elizabeth and Jess, <laughs> they're like, they just want you to like set up your relationship like a business. Like that's so gross, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you're putting this and reeling it in for me because sometimes I can go off the rails and I love it. <laughs> what are we saying? <laughs> but like what, well, this is what I'm saying. I mean, you can agree with me or not. Um, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that like, um, yeah, when you look at your relationship from a higher level, like it's almost like if you look at your relationship and you're too close to it, um, like, you know, anytime you have a problem, you can't solve a problem inside mm. of that problem. You have to step outside of the problem in order to see it from a different point of view and to be able to actually solve it. Right. Yeah. And so, um, if you're in a relationship, sometimes the best way to have a healthy relationship is to step outside of that relationship and look at it from a higher point of view. Mm. So that way you can see the layout of it and see how you actually want it to go and then structure it from there. And that's kind of the, and I think that regardless of whether you're monogamous or non-monogamous, that this is a really great practice is to step outside of your because we can get so caught up in the in the details you know and like the minutiae like the everyday bullshit that mm -hmm. we deal with in our relationships where it's just like oh well but you know we have to take the kids to school or we have to make sure that the budget's okay or like what about the groceries and are all of the bills getting paid and what about your mother and what about this vacation that we're going on and now the kids are going back to school and like we get you know, we get so bogged down in like the, the details of our relationship that we don't take the time to step outside of it and be like, how is everything working? Is right. it working the way that I want it to? Mm -hmm. Like one of the, there's three questions that I love and I took a course and these are like, I, I took a course in 2015 and these three questions have stuck with me since then mm. is anytime that you're looking at something to look at what's working, what's not working, and what's not working as well as you would like it to, mm. right? Because sometimes they're in both categories. It's like, well, it's working, you know, like, like the bills are getting paid, that is working. But what's not working is that only the bills are getting paid. Like there's no extra money. Right. And so therefore we're fighting and we're bickering and we're always stressed out. And, you know, and so that's not working. Right. And so looking at your and then if you pull it, again, like even go higher level. So not just like one section of the relationship, but like even higher level, like look at, OK, like how is the relationship overall, you know, looking? And I think what that takes, first of all, is a lot of courage, because sometimes when you're in relationships, we have this idea that if we're look if we're asking these questions, that that means that something's wrong. Mm. That means that we're doing something wrong. That means that our partner is doing something wrong, um, or it means that our partner is going to assume that something's wrong. So even if we do do that, we can't bring it up to them anyway. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So. 
You want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Yeah. Right. Wow, that's such an interesting point that you make because I think that it's, yeah, it's so true. We look at like, um, well, not we, but many people maybe who aren't super into personal development will look at like, even like self self reflection or you know um, questioning or looking into something as yeah like a criticism or right. you know right off the bat it has to be like that there's something wrong any kind of like inquisition is like bad um, yeah. yeah yeah and that's why people don't try to fix things until they're in or fix is probably the wrong word people don't try to have things work mm-hmm. until they're in crisis mode. Right, right. They don't try to improve. Mode, right. Because then in crisis mode, first of all, you, I mean, you got nothing else to do. Like you're at a brick wall. You got to do something about it, you know? Yeah. And second of all, now you have an excuse. Like it's almost like a justification. Like you can tell your friends and family like, oh, the reason that we're going to therapy is because we've just hit a rough patch and that's normal in relationships. Or the reason that we're seeking outside help is because you know, whatever, or you blame it on your partner. Worst case scenario, you're like, well, the reason we're doing this is because they're an asshole um, or like they did this thing when in a per in my perfect world, <laughs> we would like set up our relationships and structures and foundations with integrity first and then gain the tools necessary to continue to do that because that's normal. I would like to normalize like mm. learning how to have healthy relationships before crisis mode. Also, my computer is mm. going to die and I need to grab my charger. <laughs> oh, no worries. I would love to dig into this a little bit deeper um, because I think this is so such valuable information. Like let's set up all of the foundation and the structure so that we can really succeed from the jump. Um, yeah. Because like you, you actually can't do anything from crisis mode except for get out of crisis mode. You have to be in like a really, I think, good, healthy place, you know, to actually work on root stuff and to work on foundational stuff anyway. So what would you say are um, the steps to setting up, you know, or do you have any like protocols or, um, you know, questions, whatever it might be that you would say to go through when you're starting a new relationship? Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things that I go through with people is uh, commitments, values, Mm -hmm. agreements. Um, And then uh, uh, there's kind of like this higher commitment that I call like your North Star commitment. Mm. Um, And so commitments, what those are, um, are basically just um, a place that you can come from 
and a trajectory to go to. And so they can be a lot broader. Like we have a commitment to open and honest communication. And so uh, you can individually act on that. You can individually act on open and honest communication. And then it also has a point B out here of what does it look like in our relationship if we are being open and honest. And so you can constantly attune yourself and attune your relationship inside of these commitments. Mm-hmm. So that's one. And then agreements is what do we agree to? And so making things really explicit right off the bat, because the number one reason why people get upset or the number one reason or cause for upset is unmet expectations. Mm. I expected you to do this. You didn't do that. Now we have a problem. Yeah. And so agreements are, I mean, there's a lot of great reasons for agreements, but (laughs) one, one really great reason for agreements is because it has you be really explicit about what both of you are agreeing to inside of this relationship. And that can be like bigger stuff. Like, you know, we agree that we're always going to treat each other with respect you know, so that's kind of like a bigger agreement. And it can Mm -hmm. also be smaller, you know, like more like detailed agreements, like, we agree that you're going to, you know, balance the budget every month, right? Or Mm -hmm. we agree that, you know, I'm going to clean the kitchen, and you're going to clean the bathroom. And that's, that's our agreement, right? Right. Um, (laughs) That's with my partner that I live with. I clean the kitchen and they clean the bathroom and making sure there's happy. no gray area. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, okay. And then you said values, I think. And values, like what are your shared values and be, and then being really explicit about what that means to you? Because I think that everyone can agree that open and honest communication is a great value to have or having integrity is a great value to have or being loving and kind is a great like most people are going to be like yes I agree that is a shared value that I have right but what does that mean to you like if Mm. you have a loving and kind relationship what do you expect to happen in that relationship And so then from values, kind of the commitments, values, and agreements kind of trickle down to each other. So if you have like this commitment to have open and honest communication, then it's like, okay, then we're going to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Okay. And one of our shared values is being loving and kind. Okay. What do you expect in a relationship that's loving and kind, you know, and then getting out all of those expectations and then agreeing to them or not agreeing to them. That's the thing about agreements is that. You can also not agree with them and you can all like, like just because you're creating agreements does not mean that you have to agree. Like creating agreements means we're seeing if we agree and if we need Mm -hmm. to compromise. Right. right? So it's like, I have an expectation in a loving and kind relationship um, that you're going to talk to me at least every other day. Like, I'm going to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Like, I expect that. And then maybe my partner that I'm talking to is like, I actually expect to hear from you every day. Mm. And I'd be like, 
That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. That's really I mean, intense for me. Sounds like a lot for me too, and I'm married. <laughs> I'm like, I am someone who needs me time. And I'm mm-hmm. also someone who needs like unplugged, like just pretend that I'm on Mars because I'm not picking up my phone time. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, contacting me every day and you expecting me to respond every day doesn't work for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's something that we can agree to? Can we agree to, um, like if you reach out to me that I don't get back to you until the next day, could that be a compromise that we make? Mm -hmm. So maybe you reach out to me. Fantastic. But I reach out to you when I get to it. (laughs) What, What I love about these two is like this is not just for people in, you know, polyamorous relationships. This works for all relationships. Yeah. Um, all relationships look different and it's such a spectrum. So when people put themselves in like, I'm either in this camp or that camp, right. um, I think that's very limiting. And so for yeah. anyone listening to examine your relationship and l- like ask yourself, are we on the same page with things like this? Do we even yeah. know what each other really values um, yeah. and what is important? And the other thing I love about this is it's not rules. People ask a lot, like, oh, well, what are your rules? You have a lot of rules. Can you suggest any rules as they want to open up or, um, you know, maybe not even open up, but I have a lot of people who listen who are just interested in like monogamish tendencies. They want to just have a bit of spice or excitement. And it's like rules are tough because it just implies that there are all these things that you want to do that you're not allowed to do. So I really love that you kept it with, you know, agreements, values, and commitments. Yeah. And a North Star. And a North Star. So North Star is like the guiding light for your relationship. Um, And this can, this usually comes up organically in a relationship, like the the couples and like the people that I work with, um, uh, like it generally comes up in like a, oh, we've taken like a couple weeks and like we see this theme in our relationship or, or we, you know, realize that we have this shared value and like this one's really strong for us and this is really important to us. So this is our North Star. So North Star is a commitment. Like I said, it's a place that you can come from as an individual. You can kind of like guide yourself in the relationship as an individual And it's also a way to guide the relationship as well. So Mm. for example, in my relationship with the partner that I live with, our North Star is we can create whatever we want. And so inside of we can create whatever we want, what do we want to create? Like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, where like it, it gives you an automatic direction and action and like even when we get stuck like you know we'll have times um I'm trying to think like uh in the in this past year um we've run into some rocky spots in our relationship and um uh, like there have been times where they feel like I that they haven't been getting the attention that they want to get in the relationship and so inside of we can create whatever we want like that. And that's what I said. I literally like, as they were sharing this with me, I was just like, okay, well we can create whatever we want. So what do we want to create? What's your request? Mm -hmm. And they were like, I want to spend a whole day with you. 
you know, mm. on a regular basis, I want to spend a whole day with just you. Like I get you that day. And I was like, all right, well, that's going to be a little bit tricky given like my schedule. So how can we like work this out? And now like I've worked out my schedule that we do spend an entire day together, but it took a couple of months to get there for me to like work things out and like figure things out to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But that was then the trajectory that we were on. Right. Yes. Like, even though it didn't happen like right away, it was like, okay, what do you actually want? I want to spend a whole day with you. Okay. And then I came back with a counter offer, counter offer. I can't do that right now immediately because of how my schedule looks. I can give you a half day and we can work towards a full day with the other things that I have going on in my life. Does that right. work for you? And they mm-hmm. were like, it doesn't fully work for me, but I will agree to it. And then once we get a full day, then I'll, I will be happier. And I was like, okay, great. So, right. It's yeah. as simple as like ha- these types of foundations, right. Allow mm-hmm. for us to truly explore what we want, what would be most fulfilling. And we come back to this so much on the show, but it's like, how do you give your partner an opportunity to love you better, to love mm-hmm. you the way you need to be loved, to show up for you the way that you deserve. And a lot of us don't even, we're not often, at least, you know, for myself, I was never in partnerships that looked this way that allowed me to even think about what I wanted to get really clear on it. So I just love these types of um, prompts when you're thinking about your relationship. And it can be scary to tell people like your true desires. Um, And that's why like creating these loving safe partnerships from the jump are so important. So I just love that that's what your work transitioned to. It was like, because what I heard you say, which is so beautiful that you spent time like, you know, with domestic violence survivors, but it's like, wow, I was like feeling this, how I heard it, maybe like not what you were saying, but I saw like, okay, we're trying to fix this at the end of the road of, of, of something gone really wrong. Right. But how could we like, create from the jump healthy, healthy relationships so that, you know, people aren't ending up in these situations. So I think that that's really beautiful that that's where your focus is now. Yeah. Um, also, while you were telling this story, I was like, when you first said it, I was like, oh, Pasha and I don't have a, a North Star. And <laughs> I think Mar- Lauren and I, you know, ours is a little bit more clear because we actually have a business together where we like help other people. And so, and then I was like, wait, we do, Pasha and I do have a North Star. We literally got it tattooed on our bodies last week. We had an anniversary and we actually went and got tattoos unexpectedly and Loki like chose the same thing without we were like should we get a matching tattoo? It was our like 8 year wedding anniversary. And then he was like what would you want to get? And I was like should we get never settle written? And he's like I thought of that earlier today. It's when we first started dating we, um, there were a lot of things in our lives that like could have looked a certain way that were really beautiful, but ultimately we knew we like wanted to be with each other. We wanted to create something different. Um, and it was like, let's never settle. Once we got together, we're like, we're never settling for less than like, you know, the, the most love, the most expansive relationship. Yeah. And that's really guided us. And I got it tattooed. Oh my God. Yeah. And we got it here. And it's uh-huh. like, we really don't, we, yeah. Never settle for less than we could be, do, or have in this life. And yeah. 
I think that it's like a constant cause to examine, okay, is there anywhere in my life where I am settling, where I could be more authentic, where I could do more of the things that like, you know, make me happy or that would make the world a better place. Um, Exactly. Have more pleasure. Yes, exactly. No, that's, oh, that is such a great example. And that is absolutely an example of a North Star for sure. And like, and inside of polyamory, you know, like with the, with never settle, that totally works. Also with, you know, you can create anything that like, we can create anything that we want. It like totally works. Cause then it's like anytime that, um, and like my, again, the partner I live with, um, like we, we even tell each other when we have like crushes on people, you know, like Mm -hmm. even if we're not going to do anything about it. Just because it's like, it's fun. It's fun to share. And not everybody has a relationship like that. Like, you know, that's not like, there's no supposed to's here, but that's like, that's something that we do or whatever. Um, And so, you know, inside of creating whatever we want, it's like, we can, we have that open and safe space. And that's kind of what you were speaking to earlier as well, is that when you do create these foundations, is that it does create a space of safety to say what it is that you want to say or like whatever is on your heart because like you have these things in place where it's like look we are co-creating this experience together and so as a co-creator i'm going to come together with you and in good faith you know see that you're going to meet me here and it's almost like in creating that foundation is that you're creating the evidence for that faith right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This has been so lovely. <laughs> I cannot believe that it's been almost an hour. <laughs> like <know>. what? <laughs> Where did this time go? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing these valuable tools with everybody. I highly recommend like grabbing a notebook. If you haven't already, I should have said it earlier, but I think that this <laughs> This episode is such a workshop. Um, Take these questions, whether you are coupled or not, and start to explore them. Like, what do they mean for you? What comes up for you around this stuff? Um, And if like, you know, way back when we were talking about, you know, self-examination or, you know, inquiring within your partnership about things, if that feels like crunchy, if that feels like uncomfortable, dig into that and maybe think about why, you know, what, what's, what's the learned sort of, you know, belief about this type of thing that makes it so uncomfortable and dig into that because, you know, as we're talking about here, and I think we, we both live in relationships are very similar. We tell each other everything. There's a ton of security. There's a ton of safety, um, and, and acceptance Mm -hmm. of each other. What's on the other side of these types of questions and, um, and vulnerable conversations is more is more security and safety and love and um, I just have to share this too like um, you're so you have you have two Instagram accounts and I, I want you to share them for people who are just um, audio on the show I'll link everything in the show notes um, but for just people who are audio only um, your second page love deeper yeah which is sort of like more your coaching and education. Um, it's polyamory foundations, creating new love while strengthening current relationships. And I'm always looking for a way to sort of 
share with people very quickly, like what, cause people are like, oh, why? You get the question a lot, like why even stay together? Or like, why be married if you wanna have all these other relationships? And it's like, because all of my relationships strengthen, not only my primary relationship with my husband or you know my other full-time partner, Lauren, all of it's being strengthened by every experience and encounter I have because then my partners all get to know me better through yeah. the different sides of me that like come to play. And I just thought that your sort of statement here, your mission statement probably, whatever you want to call it, is yeah. so that creating new love while strengthening current relationships, it's like, it's the best of both worlds. That's <laughs> what it I, is. That's exactly yeah. it. That's exactly it. admitting it. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So any, any last thing that you want to share um, or that you want to speak to before we, um, well, first of all, yeah, just thank you so much for having me on. I'm so glad that we thought of each other and uh, that we're, uh, you know, being on each other's shows and stuff. And I can't, and I can't wait for you to be on my show. So, um, and for everybody um, who doesn't know, my show is the Elizabeth Cunningham show, courageously expanding in love. Um, and so Jess will be on, um, in the next, probably like, uh, I don't know, month or two. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to look at the calendar. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. And for anybody who is interested in um, the coaching that I do, it is Love Deeper. Um, and you can look at that on, yeah, like Jess said, the show notes has both of my Instagram accounts. So you can either sign up for the self-guided course. You don't even have to talk to me. You can be like, all right, I'm just going to sign up for the self-guided course. Perfect. Um, or if you want to do the, uh, one-on-one -on -one group kind of hybrid course, um, uh, then you do get to talk to me and you get to have a whole full one hour conversation with me. Um, and, uh, and then we can determine whether or not the course, the one-on-one -on -one or group is a good choice for you. So, um, so that's, that's the other thing that I have to share if anybody is interested in working with me. Thank you for sharing. And I hope that I'm sure after listening to this, everyone's like, yeah, of course I want to like talk to you for an hour. Um, but it's, I mean, it's so valuable to have relationship coaching period. We get coaching in all these other areas of our lives that we want to perform well in or have success in and, you know, have like healthy relationships. It, as we said earlier, is the foundation for everything. So um, for those of you thinking about exploring this. I highly recommend it. Yeah. And um, Thank you. yeah, we'll have to do this again soon. Agreed. Can't wait to be on your show. All right, you lovers. Thank you for listening. And as always, please take a moment to rate the show. It means so much to me when you do. It's how other people can find us. Um, check out all of the free offerings that we have online. You know, we currently have a relationship type quiz and a dictionary and a WhatsApp community called Open Talks. So make sure you're not missing out on any of that because we have a ton of resources for you. Love you all so much, and I'll see you next week. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.